You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 563 for June 30th, 2021. This is the season finale of season 13 of the Jazz Session, and my guest for this show is vocalist Gian Slater. This show exists because listeners become members. You can become one today for five or ten bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. And if you do you will continue to receive episodes all throughout the summer hiatus in July and August. You'll get track of the week and a monthly bonus episode during those two months. Uh, If you are not a member, you will get stuff again in September when the new season starts. So, you know, maybe a reason to join at thejazzsession.com slash join. Do me a favor, if you would, if this one doesn't cost you anything, just take a moment of your time and share this episode on your social media or directly with a friend you think might like it. Tell somebody about the show. That's the best way to spread creative work. Speaking of creative work, here's a track from Gian Slater's new album, Gray is Ground. Slater, welcome to the Jazz Session. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. I I love that we're ending the season, uh, season 13, this way, because it's an album really unlike anything that's been on the rest of the year. And and for me, that makes me really, really happy. It's an album called Gray is Ground. And I can't tell if I hate myself already for doing this, but I'm just going to say that this kind of puts me in mind um, if folks are looking for a sonic reference of things like David Bowie's Black Star album or um, like early Bjork stuff, like her first kind of post Sugar Cube stuff. And it's not that. Um, but if, to me, those are things I dearly love. And to me, it kind of lives in a, in a not dissimilar sonic space. But that's just my opinion. I would be really interested to hear kind of your vision for the record when you when you set out to make it. 
Wow. Well, uh, I've never heard those references and um, I'm thrilled really because those are, those are musicians and albums that I, um, that I also hold dear and absolutely love. So if there's even a hint of that, then that's amazing. Well, for me, this album started uh, by writing for two of my favorite musicians uh, and myself. And it kind of grew from there. Uh, and the kind of sound of the album really evolved over time. It kind of became, I guess, uh, synth-orientated uh, pretty early on in the project when we sort of realized that the, that the songs and the harmony kind of lent themselves to that sort of sound world. Um, and uh, the producer and my dear friend Barney McCall sort of really steered it uh, deep into that direction. He really felt the songs needed that kind of treatment. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a journey. It was a an album that took sort of nearly five years to make, which is a really long time for me. Um, I'm used to just kind of going into the studio for a few days and then that's it. So, um, it was uh, it was a journey, kind of working on how we. We wanted to kind of layer it and how we wanted to kind of create this this world within each song. You know, it's interesting that you say that about all the layers, because for an album with so many layers, it's my understanding of the story that the the project as a whole was born out of a live performance, right? It was. Uh, I mean, we're all improvisers, uh, me and Barney McCall, who produced the album, and Simon Barker, who's the drummer, and uh, it came out of this trio live performance. And we we really began the recording process as a live performance too. We, we jumped in the studio and we played the sections of the tunes and improvised over them. Uh, we kind of created that as our base layer. So... I feel that the album, even though it's been sort of heavily layered and produced, it retained this feeling of improvisation because that's how we began the process. We sort of didn't start the process with the precise parts. Um, and so that was really important to me because that feeling that we have when we played live was really special and felt really magical. I mean, these these two musicians are extraordinary and they're the worlds they create independently are amazing. So I really wanted that feeling in the music um, uh, as well as this kind of beautiful option to be able to layer and um, let the songs evolve over time. mentioned uh, Barney McCall and Simon Barker. Just before we go any further, could you mention the other two contributors to the album? Yes. So uh, my partner, Christopher Hale, 
uh, he has a project called Emmafern, which is where he does um, drum machine and beats programming. So he did a couple of uh, tracks on the album and really brought a kind of another dimension. And one of my favorite trumpet players in the world, Phil Slater, contributed to one of the tracks as well. So they were really special kind of additional kind of colors that we really wanted on the album. You mentioned that this project took five years, and you also mentioned that for a jazz album, that's quite uncommon. Usually jazz musicians have about 24 hours, it seems like, these days to to record a record. But can you talk about the genesis of this album? Kind of take us through at least some of that story from, okay, here we are live on stage and doing some live playing in the studio. But I'm also curious about the crafting of the songs, the lyrics, that kind of thing. Can you just talk about how how that came together? I know it's a huge question, but... Oh no, it's um it's lovely to talk about it actually because uh especially when something takes a long time it can sort of feel uh that you forget some of those parts of the process. So it's lovely to kind of remember um and recount uh all of those little elements that brought it all together. Um so yes, when we when we uh, spent that first session in the studio, uh Barney and I in particular realized that we really wanted to pull these songs apart. We wanted to pull them apart and put them back together. And um, one of the kind of sort of major themes that drove the musical decisions of the album, but also really the lyrical content, was this idea of uh, mystery. We the, the lyrics are really Im- about embracing mystery in your life, embracing the unknown, uh, accepting kind of just a... Uh, uh, a vulnerability that just lives inside you and uh, the album title Grey is Ground really is about um, the kind of neutral ground of uh, accepting vulnerability, not having all the answers, uh, embracing mysteries in your life, um, you know, that the the colourful moments will happen, the really dark moments will happen, but the grey is really the the kind of neutral ground and um, where you ask questions and you dig into things. And um, so we really wanted that in the music too. We wanted to feel that there was mystery, um, that it was unclear what was happening with the rhythm, even though it might feel also, uh, you know, that, that, that the melody is the kind of focal point. We kind of wanted this kind of underbelly of, of uncertainty or mystery and so the process was really driven by that uh, when we took that first session away and Barney and I just over those kind of I guess probably three years we uh, kind of would have these sessions together where we'd just open up one section of the tune and we'd kind of just throw paint at it really we just sort of (laughs) how can we make this a bit mysterious and what you know, uh, Barney would say, you know, what are you hearing on this? And I'd say, oh, well, maybe this. And he'd say, let's try that. So we'd just go straight into this um, kind of experimentation, really. And um, Barney is a really incredible person for, I guess, encouraging those mysterious things. And the he, he, he wants to leave no stone unturned and he doesn't want to do anything in a kind of safe way. Uh, so he kind of really ran with every little, you know, momentary idea that I had and and we'd spend a session just kind of working on one tiny little section and trying to create a bit of magic there. 
So that really happened over the whole process. And when we actually had to start really pulling everything together, you know, in a way that was the harder part because we had to kind of make sense of all these little bits and pieces that we'd done. And so that's when we sort of pulled in other people to listen to it and to get their kind of view. And we worked with a wonderful engineer uh, who mixed and mastered the album, Lachlan Carrick, and he he has a really wonderful ear for the sort of logic of a song. And so he offered his kind of take on that. And, yeah, so that's kind of how it it pieced together over those five years. A quick reminder about membership. If you become a member of the Jazz Session at the $5 level, you get a weekly bonus episode in addition to the main show, which is called Track of the Week. And on a Track of the Week episode, usually an artist plays you one of their new tracks and tells you about it. Every once in a while, it's me telling you about the track I like. But most of the time, it's somebody else, one of the musicians themselves. And you get that every single week in addition to the main episode. So you get two things a week from the Jazz Session. If you become a member at the $10 a month level, you get all that stuff. Plus, you also get a monthly bonus episode, which could be just about anything. It's a a grab bag, so to speak. It could be bonus content from episodes that have aired throughout the season. It could be a completely new interview with somebody. You never quite know, but it's yours at $10 a month. Also, at both of those levels, you get early access to the episodes and you get some behind-the-scenes things from time to time, that kind of stuff. So you can join today at thejazzsession.com slash join. Thank you so much. And now back to the interview. We return, we make peace, we make room for what it is, what it's become, how it's grown. I really love about this record and in fact one of the reasons it most put me in mind of that that kind of uh, you know Black Star and Bjork thing is that the I think if I haven't had the chance to do this but I think if someone had just given me these instrumental tracks and said imagine the vocals that go over them I don't think they would be what's on the record and what's on the record I think lives in this beautiful tension because the vocals are often I'm trying to think of the 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 word I want. The vocals are they're incredibly melodic, but they are they're not they're not busy or anything. But yet there's a lot of there's a lot of percussion happening underneath. There's a lot of like just kind of stuff churning churning in the instrumental tracks, and then this this beautiful tension of the way your voice sounds over them. And I'm just perhaps that's just because that's the way you sing but i'm curious if there was anything else that led to you know this this idea of tension the the kind of busyness in the music versus the the serenity for lack of a better word i'm not super comfortable with that word of the way of the way your voice is on this record yeah well i think uh for me this album uh an- i guess another really big 
a part of the process I probably should have mentioned in the other uh, question was that uh, the music really came from a very rhythmic place for me. So I was really writing with Simon in mind. So Simon Barker has an incredibly rare and special sort of language, rhythmic language. And um, and uh, over the last sort of bunch of years, I've kind of learned a little bit about that language and I really wanted to write with those things in mind. Uh, and so it was the first project for me where I'd written really beginning with the rhythmic idea. So that's kind of where that part of it comes from. And then I think that my kind of melodic sense and harmonic sensibilities um, are always, um, they're always searching for that sort of tension and release. And I have a particular sort of um, goal, I guess, which is very subconscious, I think, when I'm writing music. But I have this kind of goal in mind where I want something to feel simple but not be simple. I kind of want it to feel uh, that it's always existed, but to be, you know, to be an original or kind of to be using uh, complex materials. And that's kind of always sort of drives my process. So I think that the way that I sing and the way that I write melodies is really um, definitely influenced by that idea. I want things to feel sort of minimal and not fussy. I want my singing to feel that it's carrying a melody and not that it's doing its own sort of thing for its own glory. I kind of want to feel that the voice, that my voice is carrying a message, I guess, for want of a better expression. And and um, and so I think that's why that exists in all of my music, actually. But with this one, I think yeah, you, as you've sort of rightly pointed out, the kind of juxtaposition of those two worlds is probably the most extreme that it's been before in, in uh, any of my other music. How did that feel for you as a as a performer? Oh, I mean, really, I, I love those kind of those intense rhythmic worlds. I'm so, I just love it. And I've, I guess I've never felt that uh, I've never felt that I've been able to kind of have that in my kind of musical um, bag, I guess, to kind of have this kind of rhythmic intensity without being a singer that kind of like um, belts over the top of it. I've always felt that maybe that's not a world that I'll be able to achieve. So when I started playing with Simon and I started just sort of seeing these this world kind of open up where probably through improvisation actually that that anything's possible, any worlds can coexist when you improvise and it sort of breaks open this, yeah, this kind of pool of possibility of, of what you can um, put against it, uh, one another. And so when we played live together for that first time, I was just really struck by just this overwhelming feeling of um, this works, this actually feels good together. It, it, it actually gels in this strange way and... Um, it's very exciting and, and particularly when you are in this kind of improvising state, which the first the first gig that we did and, and actually all the gigs that we've done as a trio are sort of quite open. We play the songs but we really open it out. It's very improvised and uh, that world just feels sort of um, endlessly inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. 
I love how much you're using the word world because one thing that I particularly love about music is its ability to transport. And I can I can really feel on this record this almost as if we've taken a spaceship or walked through some magical portal and we've just ended up in a a designed world that is different from our own. And I love that feeling about music, about albums that welcome us into an entirely new space. I don't need all my music to do that, but I need some of my music to do that. And this is very much an album that does that for me, where I don't feel like I'm on entirely solid ground while listening to it. I feel like someone's taking me into a new place, and that's incredibly exciting. And it sounds like just right now hearing your description of uh, performing this music and recording this music, like at least to some degree, that sounds true for you as well. Like part of it is the exploration. Absolutely. And I think if if that's, yeah, I mean, that's uh, certainly my goal, I think, in all of my music is to sort of transport people somewhere else. I think I don't, I my goal, I think, is for people to walk away feeling transported and not to walk away thinking, um, oh, aren't they excellent musicians? <laughs> um, I sort of really want, um, I want people to, to, to be transported or to be sort of taken um, on some sort of journey where they can think and reflect and kind of, you know, um, just lift out of their everyday. That's really such a huge goal. I think it's a goal for, uh, you know, most musicians really, but it's, uh, it's certainly wonderful to hear it. Uh, when that actually is achieved, when people feel that they are taken somewhere else. That's an amazing um, compliment. While you were writing the the title track of this project, Grey is Ground, you were embarked on another little project, which was creating human life. And uh, <laughs> I'm curious about the, the kind of juxtaposition of those things, the impact of one on the other. Uh, anything you'd like to say about that? Yeah, well, that was certainly um, a really big part of the process. I was uh, pregnant with my first son when we did this first gig together and, um, and you know, he was present in the first recording session and uh, my daughter came along a couple of years ago and she was, um, you know, some of the last recording sessions we did, she was, um, I was very heavily pregnant Um in one of the last recording sessions and then the little kind of final tweaks she was in the studio with me on on my um you know in the carrier on my chest and she did all the mixing with me and so yes they were very involved in the actual process of the the making of the album but I think the this theme of mystery and vulnerability is so linked to my journey becoming a, a, a parent and a mother this kind of idea of, oh, wow, this is totally the unknown. Um, I don't really know right or wrong here. Um, I just have to trust my instincts. I have to be comfortable not knowing what's going to happen each and every day. Um, these are really incredible kind of like life learnings and um, I kind of wanted to be really present for those and writing these songs sort of helped me um, really form those thoughts and 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 clarify um you know some of my probably some of my anxieties too about becoming a parent and dealing with those kind of early years of parenting so 
Uh, yeah, it's definitely and certainly that's part of the reason why it's taken um, five years to make the album. Um, so because I've been quite busy with these two little little kitties, but uh, but it's definitely been a really, really uh, influential kind of element on the way that I'm making music and the things I'm interested in talking about. One more break to thank the folks who make this show possible, starting with the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. You can hire him at hearchucknow.com. You can follow The Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at The Jazz Session. If you'd like to keep up to date on my podcast, my poetry, my travels, and more, subscribe to my newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. And now, back to the episode. definitely not going to have a what is jazz conversation right now. I want to make that clear. But I do want to talk about labels for a second, because um, in a perfect world, we wouldn't be having this conversation because you'd be too hard to get a hold of because this album would be like an enormous pop sensation. Because I, I worked in the indie rock world, too, and I played a ton of stuff that this album would fit right beside with no trouble whatsoever. And I'm curious if you kind of how you're navigating that. I mean, you you don't you are not just like in the and this is a genre I also love, but you're not just in the, you know, ride cymbal swing and let me sing some standards for you world with this or with other projects that you've done. And and yet, like, here we are on a show called The Jazz Session, which is, you know, the nichiest of niches. Uh, do you have any desire to I don't know, maybe this is a stupid question, but do you if it and if it is, we'll cut it. But do you have any desire to, like, get this stuff to everybody? Because I, I don't feel like only the listeners of The Jazz Session or only people who are like kind of hip to you as a jazz singer or whatever. Those aren't the people, the only people who should hear this. And there's tons of people who like other kinds of much more mainstream music who would adore this music, I think. Yeah, I think my music's always fallen in the cracks and uh, over the years I've just become sort of comfortable with that uh, and comfortable, I guess, in a way with just the kind of challenges that, you know, trying to get the music out to the people that might enjoy it is just a very confusing and overwhelming um, task. And uh, I think... 
Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I would be absolutely thrilled if uh, as many people, you know, with different interests and could listen to my music. I would be really thrilled. Um, I find it a, just an overwhelming kind of process to think about kind of how to enter into that kind of more popular music space. I think that there are so many other things and other elements than just the music in that space that um, that feel overwhelming to me. And I think uh, it's just huge. It's a huge space. It's just hugely, I mean, there's just so much music coming out every day. It's just so difficult to sort of know how your music could somehow um, find a pocket within that, you know, huge, huge field. So, so that's my thought about that space. I think the the jazz um, idea is so interesting to me. I'm 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 really a jazz musician. I have all of the sort of jazz, uh, I guess, the the values and the processes. And so, to me, sort of whatever music I make, it's kind of it's always going to be jazz because I'm jazz. So, <laughs> I think. Um, but it's so tricky because particularly for singers it's a very tricky space to put something out that's not um I guess following this sort of um line or the pathway of a more something a little bit more straight ahead I think there's maybe more conservative conservative expectations for singers I don't know but I've always found that there's a bit of um, a double standard for if you're coming from a kind of vocal perspective or if you're coming from an instrumental perspective. To me, it's just a really fascinating kind of discussion because depending on the listener, they'll hear it in different ways. So I've had people say to me, wow, that is 100% not a jazz album. <laughs> and other people say, yes, it's a jazz album. Yes, it exists in that space because you're all jazz musicians and it's created in this way. And Yes, as you kind of alluded to in your question, it's kind of like a it, the what is jazz question is is tricky and and it's um it kind of goes around in circles, doesn't it? But it it it's definitely something that uh, I don't feel precious about either way. I feel yes that I'm a jazz musician, but wherever my f- music finds a place, um, I'm really happy with that. I, I'm really happy if people can kind of discover the world of of my music. Um, and certainly if more people would discover it or could discover it because it was available and accessible to them, um, then that would be great. I haven't yet found those pathways. Yeah, I feel more than a little guilty for asking that question at all. I I, I dislike those what is jazz questions. I mean, the, the point of it for me was more that I, and obviously like saying this to the person who made the music is... It's ridiculous, but like, I just, I just think this is music that can transcend boundaries in a way that a lot of the music on this show can't because it's, it's so clearly of, of a piece with the tradition that's come before. And this is not beholden, uh, even if you are uh, uh, out of that tradition, this music is not necessarily beholden to that tradition in the same way. Um, and it just, I always, I always feel like as soon as, as you know, as soon as we slap any kind of label on it or whatever, obviously we're 
I think we're doing a disservice to music, but we also need some way to talk to talk about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I'm sorry I made you answer a what is jazz question, even though I tried really hard not to. But, no, that's fine. Yeah. I I don't mind talking about it because it is it is the world that you live in, and I think you know another really huge part of it is about your community and your scene. You know, so it's difficult to sort of spend your whole life kind of within one scene and all your kind of connections are through that scene and then to kind of think of sidestepping over to another scene where you don't know anyone, there's no, there's not community there for you. It's a, it's a really challenging one and I think a lot of artists these days more and more feel, you know, that they are in the cracks and it's difficult to find their crossover sort of scene or community of people that are going to kind of support them because you can't, you can't do anything on your own. It's it's so difficult to do things on your own, completely on your own. So, um, I I don't mind talking about it because I think it is a it is a really really important um, industry kind of question um, that that we should talk about because it feels it, that things do get kind of lost in the cracks and um, it would be nice to kind of find another way, <laughs> you know, to um, to be sort of pitching music to people and, and finding those those ears that are going to kind of soak it up. Well, if the music thing ever stops appealing to you, I recommend a career switch to professional diplomat because I thought you handled all of that uh, <laughs> quite, quite nicely. <laughs> Let's uh, let's step away from Gray as Ground for a minute and just look ahead. Are you working on the next project now? Are you looking ahead toward performances? Tell me about what's what's coming up for you. Yeah, so uh, we've we've launched the album. You know, things as as they are with the rest of the world are pretty slow with performances um, in Australia. Even though we haven't had had it as uh, you know the pandemic hasn't hit us as badly as in the rest of the world we've still had a lot of lockdown and a lot of um, closing of venues and things like that so um, performance wise things are very slow but I I have uh, exciting things on the horizon uh, in terms of I I think my next project I really want to do something on my own completely on my own so um, I've kind of developed some studio skills as have a lot of people in the past couple of years and I'm really keen <laughs> yeah and I'm really keen to sort of you know just once and for all kind of put put my ideas down sort of just entirely myself just play everything and um, just enjoy that space of putting something together um, you know I, I possibly will bring some um, ears in to kind of hear it along the way and all of that sort of stuff to get some feedback. But I, I'm really keen to see what happens if I just kind of do something 
entirely myself. Um, my music's, you know, always been my vision and my composition and my performance, but I've always had collaborators, you know, um, band members and producers and people that that help sculpt the the sound and um that's been amazing I'm so lucky to have worked with the people I've worked with but I feel really excited about the idea of doing something completely on my own so that's one thing I've got going and the other is I do have a I run a vocal ensemble that's kind of my other creative outlet and I write for that ensemble and um, so I've got some exciting sort of projects coming up with them that I'm writing for so yeah, there there are some things coming up, and I'm I'm excited to just slowly creep back into the performance world. And you know, I think everybody is feel you know feels quite this kind of mixture of emotions about it. Um, you know, about getting back into performing uh, and that kind of um, you know more intense creative thing. I mean, for me, being in a lockdown with two kids, there's no there's no room for <laughs> doing anything creative so um yeah yeah so I think I will just really enjoy as as time bubbles along just having a little bit more time to write some music and get you know stretch um stretch those muscles and get um get some inspiration so I'm I am looking forward to that kind of slow creep back into that uh more creative mode well, we'll all look forward to the results of that. Uh, this has been a, a lovely way to bring a season to a close. Uh, my guest is John Slater. The new album is called Gray is Ground. It's been such a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for uh, asking and inviting me to be on the show. It's been lovely talking with you. And that's it for season 13 of The Jazz Session. Thank you to my guest, Gian Slater, whose new album is absolutely fabulous. If you value what you just heard, become a member for 5 or $10 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. And don't forget that as we enter the summer hiatus in July and August, that's the way to keep cool jazz stuff coming your way every single week. Then come back in September for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.